0: Hello and welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I have guest Ashley Pardo on the show. So Ashley is an intuitive macro coach and nutritional therapy practitioner. I absolutely love the message that she is putting out in the world, and I feel that it is the missing link out there for so many programs and diets and all of those things that we've all done right we need an exit strategy and that's what ashley has so we talk about how ashley got to this point in her life not just with her business and her coaching but the past that she has i think what you've found right with any nutrition coach that i've had on the podcast we all have a similar background right we have made the mistakes we did all of the wrong workouts we ate all of the wrong food. We did all of it for all the wrong reasons, and that's what has brought us to this point. So Ashley shares um, so many helpful tips as to how you can start to trust yourself around food, around about how you can start to keep commitments to yourself. And I know you're going to love it. Now make sure you follow Ashley on Instagram. Her handle is Ashley K Pardo. There is a link to her profile in the show notes. She also has her own podcast called The Wise Podcast, and I want you to check out the show notes as well because there is a link to the book that she references by Janine Roth entitled Women, Food, and God, An Unexpected Path to Everything. This is a great one, you guys. Enjoy your listen. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Ashley Pardo. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner. She's a wealth of knowledge, and I love everything that she posts on social media. And that's what we're going to talk about today because she has this amazing program called Intuitive Macros. And I think this is like the thing that is missing. I, I believe you agree. Also, this intuitive piece is what is missing. Um, but before we dive into that, Ashley, can you just give us a little bit about a, a little bit about your background, um, how you got to this place, what your education is, and all of that?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kylie. We've been talking already for. For a while we've already made become friends. This is actually the first time that we met. Um, and it's been great. But I like Kylie said, my name is Ashley Pardo. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and I have loved food and been uh really into my own relationship with food from the time that I was little. And for anybody out there that can relate, uh, the reason that I got into improving it was because it was really bad for a long time um when i was really young i had eating disorders and um went was very overweight for a period of time and like so many people dieted was obsessed was super preoccupied with food for most of my life and it wasn't until i quit dieting and lost all the weight that um i realized that the hard part isn't actually the weight loss it's the maintenance and like how you live every day. And what I realized was that I ended up um, doing a lot of mindset work, a lot of work around my behaviors, around my patterns. And that's like the unsexy stuff that nobody (laughs) really wants to talk about, but where I think that the change, the permanent change really lives. So once I realized that and kind of came to like a come to Jesus moment of like, oh my gosh, everything that I've been told is wrong. And everything that I've been, that I've gone through, again, I think that we go through everything for a reason, but everything that I've gone through has inspired me to look for like my true solution. That's why I think now that when people come to a permanent place with food, it has to be, yes, there are nutrition principles, but they have to be customized to you. You have to be bought into it to a certain extent. Um, I was also really into cooking for a long time too and um i worked in human resources when i was in my early 20s i studied psychology in um in undergrad and business too wanting to be a therapist uh kind of like we were talking about before and i realized that i wanted to help people with food but i didn't really know what that would look like i went to cooking school i really just had an intention to help people eat healthier and to have a really good relationship with food. Uh, And after that, I got my master's in nutrition, went to cooking school, and I still didn't know what I was going to do. And I ended up moving to Italy to work on farms. That really taught me about fresh food and seasonality. And I was just inspired by how easy and delicious all the food was. And I moved back home to Miami where I'm from I started a private chef business and then on the side, I would give talks at a local doctor's office where I would talk about this stuff, food mindset. I feel like I had a secret to share. Like you guys, nobody understands that what they need is really a way to get through and move through their relationship with food. So I've been talking about this stuff now for about 10 years. And then I started my online business in 2018 um, where I've been full-time now for several years, but it all has, it all comes down to the relationship in my business between cooking, preparing your food, um, your mindset, your behaviors, and really creating confidence and autonomy, right? Like the reason that we do anything is because it gives us a feeling, right? So I really want women to feel confident. Like they can trust themselves. Food is just the vehicle in which we do that. And it's such a personal journey that, um, I am obsessed with helping people get to that place on their own to really have peace. Right. Because it's about like, I just want to have peace. I want to feel like I'm not like completely overtaken by this thing anymore.
0: Because you, that is how you feel, right? You feel that you have the freedom, the autonomy, the confidence. Exactly. When you have a taste exactly. of it, it's like that secret that you have, you, you've you got to tell everybody like, they're different yes. over here. You guys, is different. It's better.
1: Yes, exactly. And the thing is that like, it keeps you chained. Yeah. If you, if you go into any sort of methodology that you stay tied to will keep you chained. And it'll also keep you looking for things externally versus mm-hmm. like putting and needing to like control your environment. And the thing is like, the reason that I care about this, so much of this is because it affects your life. Like it completely takes over your life. At least for me, that's what happened that like, couldn't think about anything. I was doing things in secret. Like I wasn't in integrity with myself. I deceived myself. I literally tried everything. At one point I was an overeater anonymous, thinking I was a food addict. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like all of these narratives that we see in society. Right. Um, And what I realized was that like, okay, if you just, yeah, I'm making it sound simple. It's not, it's, it's hard, but If you look at your patterns, see how you cope with food, see how you deal with your emotions, um, how you, how you deal with discomfort, how you approach uncertainty, all of those things, you know, if you use your relationship with food as a catalyst for gaining the freedom and the autonomy and um, the vibrancy or however it is that you want to feel, you feel like you have a confidence that can't be given to you by anything else, especially if you've struggled with food. Right. And some people will struggle with it for life. And my mission is really to help as many women move through this so that they can live on purpose and like do what they want to do in life and enjoy their life and be happy and be free so that they can use their bodies as a way to like do it, literally do whatever it is that they want to do.
0: Love um, you. so in alignment.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it's not uncommon. I'm sure you've had this too, that like women will work with me and they'll like leave their job yeah, or start a new job. I've had a lot of women that become nutrition coaches because they're so inspired of like they feel that feeling of like oh my gosh everybody needs to know about this
0: so true you know so when you were talking about you know it took you some some work to look at your behaviors and go through that process did you do that on your own did you work with a coach did you work with a therapist what did your process look like
1: such a good question. Um, my first, there was a moment that I worked with a therapist in my early 20s. Um, and I wouldn't say that that was the thing that like fixed everything. Uh, but it definitely got me to start taking responsibility for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's easy for us to, let's say we've been, we've all been through stuff, right? Like we've all had hardship. We've all gone through stuff with our parents. And I back in my early twenties, I blamed a lot of people for like the way that I felt like, oh, my, my parents didn't do this. And therefore I feel this way and they just need to say sorry or whatever it is. And I remember the therapist asking me, okay, once everybody says sorry or whatever it is that you want, what are you actually going to do? And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) it's on me. So I started realizing like, okay, I have to take responsibility for everything. Like I have to take ownership. Of my life. I have to take ownership of what's happened to me, of my healing. So that kind of catapulted me to take more emotional responsibility, but, but it wasn't until I started reading Janine Roth's work. I'm not sure if you've heard of her. Mm-mm. Um, the book Women, Food, and God. It's not a religious book. It, but it that book completely changed my life because I started realizing that my food struggle wasn't about food. Mm. So once I started reading that book and realized that, I started extracting my patterns of like, again, this was a lot of self work that I did around like what are the things that I truly believe about myself? What are the things that are possible for me? What is like my upper limit, my ceiling? What do I truly think about myself and my worth? Um, from there, I realized that it like wasn't in the best place. So I started to create evidence, of the opposite of, and again, this was a very slow process, but like, okay, I'm going to show it for my workouts. I'm going to, um, you know, eat what I say I'm going to eat. I'm going, I'm not going to soothe with food anymore. I'm going to, so I started creating evidence of beliefs that I had, like doing the opposite of the beliefs that I had and creating a lot of new evidence of, cause the brain will always try to pull you back into old patterns you have to create evidence in reality that you can do new things and that you can begin to trust yourself. And then I think over the years, I just developed so much evidence and had so many other experiences of like, okay, I'm now I'm speaking up in relationships. Now I'm setting boundaries. Now I can start a business like that to me, starting a business was another avenue and another vehicle of growth. Cause again, you just gain evidence. So I didn't think I could do an Instagram post. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I can go live. So you start like opening up what's called your window of tolerance of like your perceived level of comfort Mm -hmm. and you start going beyond that but for me it was a practice of being willing to withstand discomfort and being curious about myself but it was janine roth's book women food and god that made me realize like oh my gosh it's not about food it's the way i treat myself it's how i talk to myself it's what i believe about myself it's what i believe is possible for my life um and honestly like being kind i know that sound might sound trite but it's about being kind to yourself. Like for me, my, I was a binger. I did have feelings or I did have periods of like, you know, control and, and um, not eating and restricting, but I was a binger first and foremost. Um, and once I started seeing that, like my overeating had nothing to do with food, that was another moment of growth and being able to see like, what am I trying to mask? What am I trying to hide? How can I feel my feelings instead of going to food? Cause the thing is that if you're an emotional eater, again, I identify with that hundred percent, but eating doesn't actually help No, your emotions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So again, I think it was just a big process of like stretching a little bit, getting more uncomfortable every time around like being able to tolerate feelings, being able to do new things that then created, um, new paths of, uh, like a new standard that you set for yourself where, where the behaviors weren't, didn't fall away because of white knuckling or willpower. They fell away because I just wasn't interested in them anymore. Like I became a new person.
0: You become a new person. Yes. When, when you look back, do you, do you recognize that person? I mean, that's not you. I mean, it is, but.
1: It's not, it's, it's it's, this a totally different way of coping with life's stuff. Um, And I just, I can't, um, it's almost repellent to me to think back to that time because I just have a different, again, I think if we can put, put, put it into one sentence or one thing, it's the ability to withstand discomfort in my case, if I am as an emotional eater, as somebody who overate consistently and was overweight for a very long time, um, it always came down to, okay, how can I withstand the discomfort of uncertainty or somebody said something to me or I'm tired or whatever it is without needing food, using other new coping mechanisms to grow and to live my life.
0: I love that. And I've had someone else on the podcast and we've talked about this emotional eating. And I mean, if if that's the only coping skill you have, that's okay. That's okay right now, but let's open up the idea to other things that can help us cope since it doesn't actually solve the problem or change the feeling.
1: Yes. And, and it's also worth noting that like we develop that skill because it works in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm it it it's very wise of us to be like okay this thing helped me at some point this thing is effective in the moment so we're doing it just to try to grab safety try to grab some sort of groundedness and footing for ourselves but at some point we get tired like i think i was tired of it for years before i could actually let it go
0: yeah and that's one of the things um as as I, you know as we all make our own transformation that's one of the things that i think happened for me i just I got tired of the whole thing. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I know. And that helped along with all of the other stuff.
1: But Yes, exactly. I think you get tired and you're like, I know, especially if you are a growth oriented person, like many people aren't and that's okay. But if you're a growth oriented person and you know that you can feel better, you know that there's a life beyond this that creates more pain and more dissonance versus allowing yourself the experience Of going through these things and creating more growth for yourself. Um, Again, by tolerating discomfort, widening your current window of, um, of tolerance of what you think is tolerable.
0: I think that's why it's so important. We hear like your story and the messages that you have to share. So women can see and men that there is another way. There absolutely is another way for you to thrive and reach your goals. Cause it's not like you are reaching your goals with those behaviors, or I was reaching
1: my goals with that. No. Were you an overeater also?
0: Um, yes. Looking back, okay. I was a binger, over exerciser and then binger. Like of yes. course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: all of us. Yes.
0: Don't eat all day long, work out all the time, and then eat all the ice cream at
1: night. Oh, yes. Always <laughs> at night. Yeah. That's always. like always. But I think it's also like learning. I think a big thing for me too was learning how to live in the gray area. Because we find as humans, we find safety in black and white. And that's why we like diets, because it's like, do this, don't do that, very clear, mm-hmm. versus like living sustainably and living in the gray area it doesn't have an exact plan because you have to tap in to see, like, what do I need today? And that's super scary. <laughs> so I really encourage people to still have, I'm a big fan of, I'm not a fan of, and I'm sure you know this, of like full on intuitive eating of just like, eat whatever you want. Like, even you as an intuitive eater, you eat protein. Oh yeah. Like, you know, but but like a a lot of intuitive eating literature out there is just like, eat whatever you feel like that day. I'm like, there has to be a blend of the knowledge that you've learned from tracking, that you know feels good, where you have structure and discipline and you meld both of them together to have some sort of structure, but then within that structure, you're able to be flexible.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's a perfect segue. So I'm so excited for you to tell us about the program that you have, your intuitive macros. So talk to us about how you help people um, and we'll just go from there.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I So I developed intuitive macros because I first I started actually coaching intuitive eating when I first started in 2018 and only food freedom. And I started realizing that that didn't have enough structure to give people the results that they want. Cause I got my results by, uh, listening to my body, listening to hunger and fullness cues, obviously being educated by nutrition, but like my journey of my permanent weight loss didn't come from tracking at the beginning. Um, so I lost weight and I thought I'm just going to teach everybody to do this and give them the intangible skills, but people need structure, right? People need a plan. So I realized that, okay, I was all the way on that side. And then I started realizing that people needed the structure of macros Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where they had a certain number of like protein, carbs, fats, and calories that they were eating each day. And at least for, you know, at least temporarily, they would do that to help get them the results and have, again, find that footing and that certainty amongst intuitive eating, which can feel very too vast and too vague. And also like saying to somebody, like saying, listen to your body to somebody isn't helpful when they don't have the skills yet to do that. And even there's research coming out now. My friend and colleague, Jessica Flanagan is doing a lot of this research around people that have gone through trauma or have a high ACE score, um, an adverse childhood, childhood experience, have issues with proprioception internally. So being able to discern, yeah, am I hungry and am I full? So it's not so easy for everybody, right? Especially if you've gone through something um, that makes it hard to tap in and be like, what am I actually feeling at all? Um, so I needed that structure to help give start giving people the skills, but I found that the strictness of macros was too much for people, right? So I started realizing that, and this just came through coaching people, and seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, seeing what stuck. And it wasn't until I started marketing intuitive macros as a framework, which is essentially a spectrum of, okay, on one side you have strict tracking where you track everything to you know plus minus five or plus minus two, you know how it goes. <laughs> and and then on the other side, you have full intuitive eating, which is like listen to your body. There's so many notches on that spectrum. That you could start with. So if people don't want to do macros, but still want structure, I'll have them track protein and calories, Mm -hmm. which still gives you the results that you want. If that's too much for people, then I'll start them on a plate template where Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what the plate should look like. Um, And then if they're not getting results with that, especially the more specific the result you want, the more specific the approach needs to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So like people could eat for overall health. And eat intuitively, especially if they have a fast metabolism, but to have somebody who is, let's say, overweight, and their satiety signals are discombobulated because of years of overeating and stuff, to tell them to listen to their body is really scary. So they need more structure and boundaries around um, the amount of food that they eat, the amount of protein that they eat, especially because we know that that creates satiety. So many of these behaviors end up falling away because you're so satiated and you're not like starving all day. So I basically teach people the spectrum and then they can choose how they move along the spectrum, according to their goals. I'm also really clear about the fact that if you want tangible results, like muscle gain, weight loss, like I said before, your result, your approach needs to be more specific. And if you don't want to do that, you then need to accept that you won't get results. So you get to choose, you get to choose, but you also have to own.
0: Yes. You got to own
1: own the result. So like, you can't complain (laughs) if you're not tracking and you want weight loss. It's too much of a cognitive dissonance in your brain to complain. You're fighting reality. Reality. That's such a great way to put it. It's true. Right. Like, and people put themselves through so much stuff of like, Oh, but I'm, I'm listening to my body. I'm Eating protein, carb, fat at every meal. Why am I not losing weight? But then not willing to track. So you really have to again tell yourself the truth, get real with yourself. And again, none of it is good or bad. And especially as like an eating disorder survivor, I am. I think tracking is okay. Mm-hmm. Like for people who need it, um, it can be a temporary tool. But for people that again, whose satiety signals are, you know, you can't feel them as much, then something like that helps you. You know, kind of get to know yourself a little bit better through that structure.
0: Yeah, I always like to say that um tracking my macros actually helped me move away from disordered eating.
1: Yes. Like I
0: finally understood
1: how to eat. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Um, yes. Yeah,
0: I agree. We don't have to use it forever, but it's such a, a valuable tool to quantify how much we need to eat. Um, like you said, if we want results then we have to do the thing.
1: I know. And that's like, again, it's almost like annoying sometimes how effective tracking can be, right? It's like- So
0: annoying. It's
1: annoying. (laughs) But I from the onset, I try to be very honest because I think with food, there's that weird space that happens of like, I don't like how I feel, but I'm not willing to do what I know I need to do, but I want to. And the back and the forth. And again, that's taking away from your life. That's taking away from your happiness because you're like constantly in this cycle. You can have all of the information, own where you are, own your results, and then know that you have power and agency. And I think that like with all that we've been talking about, that's another thing that it comes down to of like, you have power to change your situation. Maybe nobody has told you, maybe no one has given you permission, but through your action steps, and again, using food as the vehicle, you can start to feel better and you can start to believe like, oh man, I actually have control over my experience and control over my life.
0: It's so great. So one of the things that I saw in your social media and I, it was like a a light bulb went off. It's like, Oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this is you made a post that said, I haven't binged in over 10 years. And I'm sure there are some people that would love to be able to say that. Yes. Why is that? So why have you been able to not binge for 10 plus
1: years? And this is such a big topic. Um, I think that number one, I think the biggest thing is that I don't restrict any foods. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing off limits for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's where people need to start. And again, food freedom does not mean that we have the absence of restraint and structure. Mm -hmm. And this is about, again, owning what you need. So I think the first thing is that nothing is off limits. I've been, I say that having been gluten-free for seven years. Because of so, celiacs or because I've never taken the test for celiac, but I'm because you have to eat gluten yeah. in order to take you have to eat it for a week. Yeah. But I eliminated it seven or eight years ago and all of my digestive issues were fixed overnight. Whoa. Yes. Like I had major constipation, skin issues, just and literally within a week it all went away. So I just don't eat it. I, I went through a period of eating it. And being and still feeling like I was restricted and all of those things. But um, I, and it's been seven years now that I haven't eaten it. And that's a choice. Like I allow myself to, but I'm always like, it's not worth it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So I think the number one thing is giving yourself true, unconditional permission to eat anything. Mm-hmm. And from there, I would make sure that you're satisfied with, by what you're eating every day. So satisfaction is something that is made up of flavors, textures, and temperatures to me. So like, do I want something sweet or salty? Do I want something cold or hot or a mixture? Do I want something that's smooth or crunchy or a mixture of those things? So really being able to describe the types of food that I want and what I'm in the mood for, and then being able to satisfy that with something that it will still make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I love cheese. I love like dressings, avocado. I will eat bacon. I probably eat sugar, or processed food every day in some capacity. Um, you know, a lot of people, the people who have the healthiest relationships with food to me, or the people that I've observed, eat everything and eat, eat sugar. Right. So I would say, have something that you love every single day. Uh, and i also am able to deal with my emotions and self soothe without food
0: That's so great and again this is possible 100% 100%
1: I'm sure some people
0: are listening like i want that i binged last night or i binge every weekend or you know whatever the case is but this is absolutely possible but you're not going to get there through more restrictions
1: no, exactly. And and that's the thing too, that I think people who binge, and this is as a former binger, I think people who binge have this perception of themselves that they're uncontrollable, mm-hmm. that they're monsters, that they can't trust themselves, like left to their own devices, they will gain 50 pounds overnight. Those were actual thoughts that I had. But the more that you create evidence that you don't binge, and I think a big part of this too is eating enough, You know, because like if you're restricting yourself, like your body will always win. Like if you're restricting, you will binge. Like it, your body will call out for the food that it needs. So your physiological processes will take over at any time in order to get the food that you need. And restriction is not just physical in terms of like food itself, restriction is also a mindset of being able to say, like, or telling yourself, I can't have that. I, I'm scared to eat that. And again, I know that this is might be a lot if you're listening, but what needs to happen is first you need to make sure you're eating enough because so many of these behaviors end up falling away once you eat enough, specifically enough carbs, right? And protein. Um, so like people who are on a low carb diet and feel obsessed with food, which I did that. I feel like we've all probably done that at some point. Um I was obsessed with carbs around that time because I wasn't eating them. Of course, it's just a physiological reaction. So like, don't make your food behaviors personal. There's likely a physiological reason that you're doing those things. And once you can get to physiological baseline, feeling good, you see that a lot of these behaviors end up falling away. And from there, you can begin adding things that you love every day creating evidence that you can trust yourself around certain foods this is also why I love macros because like everything fits, especially at the beginning, you see how expensive foods are, how much foods take up. Um, and sometimes like we need, if we're on this journey, we need to have the experience of overeating again. So we can see that it doesn't actually make us feel good.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, one, this was, I can't remember how many years ago, pre-COVID, and my, my husband and I, we went out to dinner for our anniversary and we did the thing where you have like an appetizer and you have a meal and you have dessert and it was all absolutely amazing. But at the end I was like, oh, this is yes. why I don't do this. Exactly. And it was yes. all awesome. There was no regret at all. It was simply a reminder. Oh yeah, this is why we've, you know, eat the way that we eat now.
1: Exactly. So, and that's coming from like a true... Like, unless you had that experience and unless people have that experience, they won't actually do what they need to do, which is like, pause, eat slowly, understand that quantity of food is not necessarily equated to pleasure. That's a tough one to accept. (laughs) Pleasure from food comes from the degree of of presence as you eat.
0: Say that again.
1: Pleasure pleasure from food comes from your degree of presence, not from the quantity of food.
0: So, I mean, let's think about how people eat on the way to work.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Eat lunch. I mean, and guilty as charged. Distracted.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have room to grow here. Oh, yes. So like, that's why your brain doesn't register that you've eaten or you're satisfied or that you want to eat more because if you're not present, You won't, it won't actually register that you've eaten and that you've enjoyed what you've eaten. And for those of us who really like food, like I'm that person, like you need to be able to, to the best of your abilities, the best of like that your resources can provide that your schedule can provide. I'm not saying like every meal needs to be like, you're at a tablecloth and like take 30 (laughs) minutes, you know, I, and that's the issue that I have too, with like some mindful eating, they're like, you need to do a meditation before you eat. I'm like, people aren't going to do that. Mindfulness needs to be something that is a, a, like a hum of presence in your life at all times. That's like just a little bit, like just a little bit of a hum yes. that is with you at all times. Um, so I think we have like fantasies sometimes around like, oh my gosh, I need to eat like the whole pint or I need to have all of this. Sometimes you need to have that experience to be like, it's actually not that fun. And that's, I think, a point that we can get to sometimes with our relationship with food where like before my so much of my happiness, I thought came from overeating. Like, oh, I can't wait to get to the end of the day or like where I can just like be with my food. And it it's not actually that fun. And that brings you on another journey of like, well, then what does fulfill me? Oh, that, that, and that's hard. There you know, go. I
0: mean, that's a whole other question.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: I want to uh, revisit a quote that you started to talk. You, you said part of this. This was a social media post that you made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. You said food freedom does not mean the absence of effort, mindfulness, discernment, and restraint. It's often thought of as eating whatever we want, whenever we want. But to me, that feels like the opposite of freedom. So let's talk about this a little bit more because I absolutely love this concept.
1: Yes. uh, Thank you for pointing that out. And I, because I think that we get this misconstrued. And again, I'm really talking to like a specific group of people who like, have a sensitive body. Sure. And I think that this is many women who like, we see a lot of people in social media that say like, if you're not eating 2,800 calories, your metabolism isn't fast enough. Yeah. Or you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, a lot of women can't eat that much. And and even if you put all the muscle on your frame, you're not meant, I can't even eat that much. Like my maintenance is like 21 or 2,200 you know, and, and I'm short, like I'm five, three, I'm short. And I think that a lot of people resent the fact that they need to practice restraint. Mm -hmm. And they can see their friends eat all this food and be free and just not gain weight. Like if I, let's say ate whatever I wanted, like in whatever quantity I wanted, I would gain weight quickly. And I resented that for a while, but I'm like, you know what, again, I'm fighting reality if i resent this this is my reality therefore i need people or i would like people to think of food freedom as how you feel after you eat too mm-hmm. right you know so like it involves the after like how do you feel when you do this so like to me food freedom is again a big term big term that's that's tossed around a lot and i think a lot of people think of it as like oh, i'm just going to wake up and like eat whatever i want all day that's true to a certain extent, but true freedom to me encompasses your values, encompasses the way you want to feel, encompasses the way that you want to show up to your life every day. And that takes effort. Yes. yes. You can shortcut effort like by having protein shakes or a can of tuna or a microwave bag of broccoli or microwave rice, like throw a dressing on top, you're done, you know? But I think that once we get on board with lifelong effort, lifelong restraint when needed restraint is not restriction by the way you know restraint is just limiting yourself to a certain capacity like I would like to eat three donuts at a time
0: right that's what i be eating for breakfast probably exactly. more. exactly
1: yeah exactly but I will maybe have one on a Saturday after I've worked out and I will know that I will still want another one. But it's again for me to <laughs> that our brain, we're all human, right? Like, it doesn't mean that I don't have these like desires, right? But again, my desires come with how I feel afterwards and honoring myself. So I think that people need to get on board with the fact when it comes to sustainability and when it comes to freedom and maintenance, there is effort there. The effort never stops. And that involves discernment and restraint and all of these things too.
0: Yes. Like two points I want to talk about is, you know, this is why children or pets, you have to give them boundaries. Exactly. Love Love is boundaries. You can't just let your dog run wild. You can't just let your kids do whatever they want. And we do that because we love them and we love ourselves. So we're going to exhibit some restraint. Yes, That's how I feel about it. And then the second thing I want to talk about was maintenance. I talk a lot about maintenance too, because I feel like maintenance is the holy grail using, you know, your concept of the intuitive macros, but people are like, no, I always gain weight in maintenance. I'm like, well, that's because you're not
1: in maintenance. Yes.
0: Not really in maintenance. (laughs) Yes. 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 Principles that we learned before now.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Don't blame and maintenance.
1: Exactly. And that's why like, I am so honest because I don't see people talking about this a lot where like you real, you have to, again, really accept so much of this is about acceptance because again, if not, you're fighting reality, but accepting the fact that like, once you lose the weight or once whatever, like you're not done it's a lifelong thing. And going back to what you're saying about like, you know, kids and pets, I think that many of us, especially if you're an emotional eater, and I can say something else about emotional eating in a second, but the, the, I thought that that was love mm. to like, give myself whatever I wanted of like, Oh, that's is real self-love. I'm, I deserve it. I need a treat. I need a reward for getting through this day where i realize and this might be tough to hear but i promise i said with love that that is a form of coddling yourself mm. and true love is like you're describing restraint boundaries cuz giving yourself whatever you want again it doesn't make you feel great and again if you eat with abandon without abandon and you like overeat and and that feels good to you that's a whole other thing right but i'm talking to the people who again, might have these feelings of like, I can't believe I have to do this. I can't believe like that I have to like be mindful, like it sucks forever. But realizing that the highest one of the highest forms of self love is holding yourself to a standard, accepting what your you your body and your mind needs is often hard is often and often requires effort. Um, I think that's a really big thing too. And Uh, when it comes to emotional eating, I think that we can, I think it almost needs a rebrand in some cases because I think that we can think of it as like conscious comfort because I don't want to say that I never emotionally eat. I just do it with hunger. Yes. So like, let's say I have a stressful day at work. I have planned uh, salmon and broccoli and rice for dinner. Let's say I don't want that. I will maybe have like the Bonsa mac and cheese Mm -hmm. instead. And I will do that with, presence instead of distraction you know so I'll do it with presence instead of using it to distract and I will honor the limits of my body as I do that you know so I will still have moments of like because like we can't change ourselves and if you're somebody who's comforted by food or finds like if you think of your grandmother when you eat certain things and certain nostalgia and certain parts of your culture like it's important for you to live that in certain ways but just done with intention and ownership and so much of emotional eating is described as like Leaving the moment, distraction, making yourself feel terrible versus conscious present comfort, which is like, I own the fact that I don't want the dinner I planned. I will have, sometimes I'll have like a a bagel with a ton of cream cheese or mac and cheese or whatever it is in order to satisfy that need, but I won't surpass the limits of my body, you know, because that's like a form of respect.
0: Absolutely. Yes, we're respecting ourselves. We do these things because we love ourselves, not because we hate ourselves.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So there's a lot to unpack here.
1: Yes, there's a- <laughs> see your face. <laughs> Scanning over the stuff, yes.
0: <laughs> but the, if you're listening and like if you're not to this side of it yet, maybe you're still chained to your macros or maybe you still have the binges. Like this is what is possible when you do the work. And you know, like if they need to work with you, Ashley, what does that look like? How can
1: we find you? How do we get a hold of you? So I would love to. I love connecting with people on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Ashley K Pardo. Um, I show up there every day in some capacity, either on stories or I try to do a feed post every day too. Um, and you can send me a DM if this resonated. Uh, I usually work with people for three three months to a year, usually one-on-one. I find that minimum six months is needed usually to kind of work through all of this stuff, which I think some people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, such a long time. I'm used to (laughs) 30 days. But I promise if you are willing to go through this for six months, and really work on your mindset, work on the way you treat yourself and talk to yourself. And also at the same time, the number one thing that my clients tell me is that they almost feel bad for losing weight because they don't feel like they're on a diet. (laughs) How fucked up Because I know. (laughs) Right? That's where we've come to. So like, that's the number one thing that they say, and they improve their relationship with food. And what they really do is create autonomy for themselves and feel the way that they want to feel, um, but I also run my intuitive macros group. So I do one-on-one um, and the group all with the intuitive macros framework. It's customizable. And my goal is that, or like my tagline for it is it won't be the first nutrition program that you ever do, but it will be your last. I and I also help you like become the person who keeps the weight off.
0: Because mm-hmm. like you said, the the losing of the weight really isn't the hard part. It's the maintaining it.
1: It's the exactly. After it's after. And that's what really requires a permanent shift in how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you feed yourself, how you soothe, how you cope. All of those things are so necessary in order to continue going. And the number one objection that I get, um, not like a sales objection, but like people (laughs) who say like, oh my gosh, but it takes so much time. But also how much time have you spent dieting How much more time are you going to spend dieting and not get anywhere because of that? Um, And again, I say all of this with like 100% understanding and love because I get it. Like this was me (laughs) for a really long time. We were there.
0: There's a reason we do what we do. (laughs) Exactly. We know it
1: inside and out.
0: (laughs) We were not born with the healthy mindset around food or healthy relationship with food. Um, But we also weren't born with an unhealthy relationship with food
1: you know exactly exactly that's a really good point too somewhere along the way
0: wires got crossed and we developed these patterns these um coping mechanisms so it's just a matter of relearning everything that you said you did mention one thing that we haven't talked about yet this the self-compassion piece oh yes um can you just speak to the importance of that because I know a lot of times people they're like, oh yeah give me that 1200 calorie diet I'll do this many workouts I'll do all that but the minute you ask them to like Be a
1: little kinder to themselves. Like, yes. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, because I think, just in general, this is also like in society, things that are hard, we think things are hard. Like, we think things have to be hard and a struggle in order to get somewhere. Right. So, and it's also like our brains are wired for familiarity and comfort. Right. And our brains are also wired towards negativity so i think the natural like the default state of our brains is negativity and kind of searching for worst case scenario um being mean to ourselves like we all have that inner voice right and even like after this many years my inner voice hasn't gone away it just i've turned the volume down on the mean one and i've created so many visible action steps and evidence that have turned the volume up on my chosen voice right so i think that again, knowing that your default is likely negative. You have an inner bitch or whatever it is. um, I think that we can accept that. It doesn't necessarily go away. But the only antidote to that is to treat yourself with kindness and compassion. Because every time we do something, and this is also like on a food journey in general, every time we do something, like let's say you have promised that you're not going to overeat and then you find yourself overeating. Mm -hmm. the natural default is to beat yourself up, right? Oh, gosh, I'm so mean. I'm so terrible. This just confirms all my shitty stories about myself. Mm -hmm. It is harder to make the choice to view it compassionately, Mm -hmm. right? And to view it lovingly. And another thing is that you don't go from like that mean inner critic to like sunshine and rainbows and niceness overnight. Um, there's a lot of like stuff out there around like positive affirmation and looking at yourself in the mirror and speaking positive things. I don't, I think people have to go to neutrality first. Yes. And then from neutrality, get to self-compassion. And this happens through habits yep. mm-hmm. and, and making sure that you're doing habits because then you're gaining evidence. Your brain won't believe that you're worthy of being compassionate towards yourself or kind towards yourself unless you do the loving actions first. Mm-hmm. So you do kind and compassionate actions. And then in time, you be, you're be you able to perceive your behaviors with curiosity and lessons of like, what happened? Why did I do that? Versus being like, look at you, you're the worst. You did it again. I'm down the cycle. Yes. It's a combination of action steps mm-hmm. until they become habits, you gaining value in the action steps because of how they make you feel. But it happens through judgment and shame, actions to neutrality. Of like I just kind of think blankly about myself to then approaching myself with kindness and compassion.
0: So good, Ashley. This is so great. But yeah, I mean, six months to get this kind of transformation. Sign me up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay you a million dollars. That's that's yeah, exactly. worth it. <laughs> Yes. Well, think of how much, and that's the thing. Like, think how much how much money we've spent dieting, especially now that a has come out. Um This new drug, like it's, and I understand like it can be appropriate in some incredibly obese cases and stuff, but there's like 4,000 people on the waiting list for this drug because they want to bypass all of the habits and all of the stuff that we're talking about today, which really comes down to eating an appropriate amount for your body, which means not too little and not too much. And again, knowing what that means for goals, knowing that you need to be in a slight calorie deficit to lose weight. Um, being able to have movement in your day at some point and, you know, being able to emotionally regulate, being able to take care of yourself, being able to stay present as life happens. Um, you know, so I think that again, embarking on this can be scary, but it's truly the only permanent solution as you know.
0: Yes. Otherwise, I mean, the, the alternative is signing up for another six week program and another six week program and that next coach. And then like that 12 week transformation, that's going to get you shredded. Like it just doesn't, we know we have done these things. We know exactly ends.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We've done these things. And the only reason you don't believe it yet that it's possible is because you don't have the evidence. Wow. You have to realize how much your brain holds you back, how much your brain doubts. And once you can create a different relationship with your brain and your thoughts, where you can kind of separate yourself and not see everything as like gospel and certainty, the brain is only going to operate from past experiences always. So if all you have is diets, of course, you're not going to believe that you can't make changes, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't embark on them. Like ready is a choice,
0: is a choice. not a feeling it's
1: a decision and as long as the only thing that you need in the beginning is willingness mm-hmm. you don't need to know everything yet you just need to be willing to do something different and i think that like this just goes we were talking about mentors before this uh, this just goes along like the power of mentors yes and the power of having somebody alongside you even like many of my mentors have no idea i exist like yes. reading books you know yep. like that can be a mentor like following somebody on Instagram, getting in their energy, reading their words, listening to a podcast, realize that sometimes in your current state of thinking and being, you are, you won't change unless you're elevated and called to a higher level. And if, you know, coaching or group programs are too much, start with exposing yourself to other information through other people that you look up to. Um, Because again, we can't trust Where our brain wants us to go because our brain doesn't have our best interest in mind.
0: So true, and you know I say that all the time. Like if you're paying attention, watch my feed, watch your feed. We're telling you exactly what to do. All you have to do is implement it. Yes. The bonus is if you do sign up for a program or one-on-one coaching, and then you have the handholding and that accountability. But literally, all the information is out there. But it's not an information problem. uh, Problem. Yes. Like you were saying, like if if it's not in your budget or whatever the information is there with Ashley. I would, I will lump myself with you. I love you. and your message, but I, and I will also lump myself with you.
1: Mm-hmm. We're
0: here. There's good people out there that are going to oh help. My God. Yes. All the problems.
1: yes. And also know that you don't need no, more information, right? Like <laughs> that's another thing too, that like literally everything we teach can be found on Google, Yep. everything, you know, maybe we've, we've, uh, packaged it in a way that's digestible. That's why people come to us, and then to also have the accountability, the feeling of community, the feeling of um, someone's got me and taking care of me. Like, but like, I needed a mentor to help me through that to keep me accountable. And then in time, the accountability moves internal because you gain self integrity, which is like what I think and what I do is aligned. And when those aren't aligned, you're in pain. Yes. And you guys know, you know, when you feel that. Totally. You know, when you feel it and that's why it feels so off when you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, we talked about a lot of stuff, (laughs) but um, I think once you can start wrapping your head around this, the biggest message is like, you can be in control. You can change. You can have autonomy. You can trust yourself. And most importantly, you can have a whole different life to do whatever it is that you want to do, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or a mom or an athlete or whatever it is, it's all available to you. And I think the other thing is just the power of action, the power of doing
0: that's where it all happens.
1: It all happens in the eye and nobody wants to hear that. Right. But it's just so much action over time. Um, and know that like, again, taking the action is a choice
0: like you said, because we have to create the evidence that we are
1: type of person that we want to be. Exactly. You have to create new evidence in order for your brain to believe it. You're always going to feel doubt. You're always going to be uncertainty, but your nervous system, which is essentially the command center of your brain and your body, you you breathe, you digest. Like right now we don't notice that we're breathing because the nervous system's got it right. You don't notice that you digest, but like, you do. And all of these things happen automatically. Part of that, part of that automatic system is going back to like current patterning and current comfort. Right. So the only way your nervous system is going to feel safe to do something different is by seeing that you didn't die (laughs) when you did it. Right. Like it needs the evidence because sometimes it's life or death, (laughs) but did you die? But did you die? (laughs) You have to see that you didn't die. You have to create the evidence for it. Well, there's your new tagline. But did yeah, you die? Did. Exactly. Because it I mean, you've been there, right? Where like
0: it's uncomfortable.
1: It's really uncomfortable. You no, know,
0: like uh, when I started eating more.
1: Oh gosh, yes. You no, know,
0: that was a but did you die situation? Is yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, Ashley, I'm going to make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you. I'm so grateful for you. Seriously, thank you so much for your time. You're amazing.
1: Oh my gosh, my pleasure! It was so fun to talk to you and see you, and to get to connect and talk. Finally, all get stuff. to
0: connect. See, this yes. is the power of social media, you guys. We'd never met before, but I had been stalking you for a while, and yeah, finally just sent a message. <laughs>
1: yes. yes, and we talked for uh, like forty minutes before yeah, we, we got started. For yes, yeah, so we just talked. it's our mastermind
0: it's our yes exactly yes
1: yes (laughs) if
0: you want to join our mastermind you can send us five thousand dollars a month yes yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly
0: well again thank you for putting out this amazing valuable information that helps us all feel like we can change we can create this autonomy and ownership in our lives Um, it's really the message that we all need
1: oh it's my pleasure and thank you too for spreading it as well, and for being a beacon of light and an example. Thank you. Of all of We're this in it together, too. girl. Yes, we are. Yes, <laughs> we are. Have an awesome day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Truth be told, I could talk to Ashley um, all day long. We actually had. Quite a lengthy conversation prior to hitting record um, on my computer. If you would like to support the podcast, you know, the best way to do that is to share it with your friends, share it on social media, give it a review on iTunes, and then also visit the show notes where you can take advantage of the products that I am partnered with. That includes Outwork Nutrition Supplements. I am obsessed with their pre-workout and their recovery drink. That's how I get my creatine in each day. of course glow pro self tanner as spring is around the corner definitely starting to double down on my self tanner use and then beauty counter my tried and true self product or self-care products and makeup personal care products and makeup that i have been with since 2016. now if you enjoyed this conversation What we offer now at In Your Element Coaching or In Your Element and Revive is very similar to this, right? We teach you the tools, but then down the road, we want you to be able to make these choices for yourself but it takes some time, right? You have to have a strong foundation and that's what our program affords you. So the next round of In Your Element, formerly Lift to Get Lean and Revive will be starting on March 27th. You can check out the new website for details. That is theelementalcoaching.com. And of course, you can always reach out to me on Instagram if you have any questions. My handle is thekylielarson. Have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.